moving about different things in our different walks of life. Thank you for bringing us together at your feet again. Our gathering is unto you. Thank you for the fellowship we enjoy with you and with one another. We trust you to speak to us. We trust you for grace to be obedient. And thank you because our lives will bring forth fruit, not even 30 or 60, but 100 fold. In Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, good evening. I hope uh, you've had a wonderful day so far. I want to thank uh, Pastor Tokes and the entire team again for this privilege. It's a privilege. And I don't take it for granted or lightly at all. Can we have a few people speak concerning what we have talked about so far or what you have received so far concerning effective ministry? Just to summarize briefly what we saw yesterday before we go on today to conclude. Anyone? Who will go first? Once one person starts, other people will now start. <laughs> you wonder why people don't want to start. So one, two, three. Yeah, I can see three people now. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Uh, you said something about um, looking at the life of Jesus. That he didn't, um, people came to him. So you looked at the servant like, okay, if you build yourself very, very well like Jesus, you can actually attract people to come to you. So it's very important for me, it stands out like if I work on myself very well, then the effort I'll need to make, you know, outside maybe may not be too much. But if I work on myself very well, I'll be able to attract people. Praise the Lord. But we're attracting them to God, you know, not to ourselves here. Yeah. You know, but I, I get your point. Power attracts, yeah. I remember one whether it was yesterday we said that or day before yesterday. I'm, I'm trying to was it yesterday? Uh, yesterday, okay. okay. Thank you. Yes, someone was raised. Okay, two people here now. Uh, you didn't see her in front. <laughs> okay, thank you, sir. Um, you, uh, we are, I learned that whatever you're doing, you have to look at it in the light of the purpose, mm. the initial purpose you have. If it's evangelism, whatever you're doing, you, you know, you become your anchor. Your purpose should be your anchor. Because the purpose always exists before the thing itself. Yeah? Because why, why did they make this? Because of the purpose. Whoever made it thought you need to stand behind something and something. So that's why it was made. So purpose always precedes the thing. So if one does the thing and doesn't fit the purpose, it's a waste of time. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Um, you did talk about um, Christ-likeness is the goal of uh, ministry. And also, similar to what he said, that there were no house fellowship and all of that. And yet the crowd came to him that we should spend more time with God. So that stood out for me. Thank you. I think there was a hand there, yes. So is there any other person after him? That will be the last. Any other person? Okay, so that will be the last. Thank you, yes. Second Samuel chapter 5, verse 12, sir. You said... David. David, um, that the Lord has exalted his kingdom because of the people, of, the people yeah. of Israel. So 
the value of God's people is what gives credence to what God makes the man of God. And that without the people of God, the man will not be a servant of God. So, so we should be humble. That's just it. Yeah. If not for the people, there's no need for us. But that's not how, that's not the attitude we see in ministry. It's as though people exist to serve us. But it's the other way around. Remember what the Bible says that anybody who does not know how to rule his own family, how will he take care of the church of God? That, that's the language of King James. Rule is what is used for his own family, but take care is what is used for the house of God. I think that's very instructive. Yes. Yes, sir. Um, we are enjoined that we should give all to Christ and to the world in a whole noble manner. And uh, we should sacrifice everything to Christ and to the world that he who rewards the diligence will reward us eventually. I'm sorry, I didn't really hear you, but I heard sacrifice and I should give all. Yeah, I think it's a mask, but so I get the drift, you know. <laughs> and Jesus is the good shepherd, gave himself. No, sir, we won't be taking you. I've already said the last one before, you know. Yeah, so we won't be. I think the first day or two, I accepted that, but not anymore. Yeah, but if you want to talk, you should know. We should let you talk. If not that something should generate something later, you know. Yeah, so I was just trying to be nice at the beginning, you know. <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, okay, so let's read First uh, Corinthians chapter 4 now. We're still talking about effective ministry. First Corinthians chapter 4, let's start from verse 1. Let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Look at that. So he's servant again, whereas he's coming across. Servants of Christ, we have seen that the Greek, Greek word diakonos means servant. So when you hear deacon, it's from that word diakonos and it's servant, it means. But let the man so consider us as servants of Christ as stewards of the mysteries of God. You know, a steward is not the person who owns the thing. You're just managing it on behalf of somebody else. So we're stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it's required in stewards that won't be found faithful. So this is the key requirement. Faithfulness. Like Brother Higgins will say, God does not reward titles, he rewards faithfulness. In today's church, it's as though after you have been in church for a long time, you have been committed, you have to have this title. After some more years, it's like promotion to another title. So everybody ends up becoming a pastor, you know, as though that's what it's about. God does not reward titles, he rewards faithfulness. I used Brother Billy as an example a few days ago. You know, in the natural, we, we are not inclined along the same line. But that doesn't stop me from recognizing and expecting the great grace of God upon his life. And uh, he's still brother, Billy Akoni. He doesn't have any other title apart from that. If anybody is a serious Christian in Nigeria, they will know about brother, Billy Akoni. Title or no title. But you see, some people, after a while, even in church for X number of if another person comes now, and based on the call of God, the person is made a pastor, the other person takes offense because he came to church before that person. I've been in church for X number of years. I'm not. Is that what? Yeah, should it be about that? It should be about assignment. Everybody should be involved in God's work. So if I'm not called to be a pastor, why should I? Let me tell you the honest truth. 
why I don't like all these uh, father, you know, daddy, all, all these kinds of things. Now, there are people who are like in their 80s in church. Some of these people started serving God before I was born. So, will I say because I'm a pastor now, I know more than them? If they have worked with God consistently, they should know God more than me. Because knowing somebody is how much time you spend with that person. A call is a responsibility. It's a grace that we account for. If somebody has been working with God for 50 years, and you, you are 20, you gave your life to Christ, you think you know God like them? Very unlikely. It's very unlikely. So there is grace on your life to do what God has called you to do, but the grace of God to do something, that's why we must not confuse gift with a, a work with God. Yeah. So that's why Brother Hagin wrote that book that emphasizes the issue of the spirit upon and the spirit within. There's a difference because there's an anointing upon an office. God's spirit is in every believer to teach us and we can work with God over a long period and so somebody can just sit down. So when we go to minister, I think I already emphasized that earlier on. Yeah, don't sound as though you, you know more than the people you are talking to. Don't behave as though you are bringing something they don't know. Some of them may have started working with God before you were born. They may have had experiences you haven't even had. The grace of God is on you to preach and teach, so just do it humbly and be a blessing. And Okay, we even know about uh, Aquila and Priscilla who called the pastor, isn't it? Yeah, they called him and explained to him the way of God more thoroughly. So it's possible the person you are talking to knows the way of God more than you that you are talking. It doesn't cancel the fact that God has called you. It's just, I think, it should help us to be humble. And I've seen that when one handles things with humility, one is able to accomplish more that way. Number one, God will be able to use us more. And number two, even the people we are ministering to will receive it rather than talking down at people as though you know what they don't know. Anyway, we're talking about faithfulness uh, now. So, it's required of a steward that a man be found faithful. The NIV puts it this way, that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. So, faithfulness is the number one thing we should be about. We should want to be faithful. We should want to be faithful. Faithful, not before men, but before God, who called. Because sometimes, human beings think we're faithful. And... Uh, you know, Reverend, today I didn't know he was going to come. It deceived, no, it, it deceived me. <laughs> I, I, I don't mean it deceived me possibly. You know what I mean? I deliberately sent something to him it, not too long ago, and I thanked him for coming yesterday. And, uh, you know, we just greeted. So I, I used that to let him know he doesn't have to come today. But he didn't refer to it, you know. And uh, I'm just seeing him walking now. Please welcome him with a hand. I don't know how many people have read uh, The Purpose-Driven Church by Rick Warren. How many people have read it? Okay. So others who haven't read it, read it. It's good. Because it, it will emphasize the kind of thing our sister was saying earlier on about the purpose. He talked about five purposes of the church. Now, whether you call them five or seven or three, because you can, you know, you go in life with your own revelation, because those five can be made into three, or the five can be made into seven or eight, isn't it? Yeah, it depends on what you see. The important thing is all those details are there for whichever one. But his point is just that the, the purpose of something should be what we should be about. If it's not going to serve any of those purposes, there's no point wasting time about those things. And uh, we're going to refer to it a little more later. So there's purpose doing there's life also. And that became a very successful book, isn't it? I think the most read book ever. He didn't know it was going to happen. 
But he didn't change his lifestyle. After writing that book, with all the money that came in, lived in the same house, drove the same car. A typical African man will not do that. Do you agree with me? Yeah, he just took it that all the resources God brought again was for a purpose and not just to use on himself. Very important. Now, in game of football, I know men will know this. I don't know if women will know it. All women. You know, the aim is to score goals. That's the purpose of it. You can dribble like Okocha or like Ronaldinho or whoever. You can dribble very well. You can entertain people because entertainment is part of it and everything is nice. But if you don't score goals, it's all a waste of time. Sometimes we are disappointed when we watch a football match because the team that seems better loses. We are disappointed because, you know, you know those accurate passes, everything, they might keep it in the bar or something will happen and they won't score. And the, the underdogs, those who didn't play well, the people who appeared not to be okay will score. At the end of the day, who has won? The person who scored the goals. Because that's the aim of the game, for goals to be scored. For goals to be scored. So when we're talking about effective ministry, if lives are not coming to Christ, and people are not becoming more Christ-like, we called it yesterday, more Christians and better Christians. Yeah, if that is not happening... We are not meeting the goal. Any other thing we like, we can do. We can put up nice building. We can do anything we like. Uh, there can be crowd. There can be anything. But if those things are not happening, and it is said that up to 80% of the people in uh, Rick Warren's church, I'm trying to remember the name of the church now, Sadubak, Sadubak yeah, uh, up to 80% give their lives to Christ there. That's very important. And that's what we should be about. You see, there are all kinds of growth. That's biological growth. We give back to children. They stay in that church. That's growth, too, isn't it? Well, that's biological growth. Transfer growth is what happens pretty much in the body of Christ today. People leave church A, they go to church B. They were born again before, and they just crossed to another church. Has the church grown? No. And that's what happens pretty much. We should be after unbelievers. That's conversion growth. So, there is biological growth. There is transfer growth. You transfer from one church to another. The kingdom has not grown. The church has not grown. It's just, it appears like there is growth in that church B. But at the end of the day, kingdom has not increased. Now, it's okay to change church if there's need to. Yeah, there are times it's wise to leave one church and go to another. But what I'm saying is, as ministers of the gospel, our aim should be for unbelievers to come to Christ and for them to be discipled. That's what we should be after. Because there are ministers who set out to take members from other places. They try to whoop you from other places. At the end of the day, have they achieved God's purpose? So conversion growth is what we should be after. So when we are praying, when we are talking to people, we should let people know it's conversion growth we're after. Of course, there's another type of growth that's called prodigal growth. You know, from Soria prodigal song. Who, who was, let's say, was born again before he backslid and he came back. That's fine too, isn't it? Yeah, but not church A to church B. Now, I personally take that to a ridiculous extent. I try to return people to their churches. I'm telling you the honest truth. You know, I mean, uh, Pastor Tokes will know that. The church I pastor, when people join the church, because we have a way, we get people to join the church every month, we have a target, you know, every month. I see, if things should be the way it should be, no building should contain us now. So it means both front door and back door are open. Because if 
a church that is 28 years old, people are X number of people joining every month. It means as they are coming in, some are going out equally. Otherwise, there should be no place that we contain us now. You understand what I'm saying? So we need to keep working. We need to keep working. We need to keep working. We need to keep working to try to make things better. How, what are we doing to assimilate people, you know? Now, when somebody joins and we get to know that person was from another church, I try to return them personally. I always try to tell them to go back. When I know it's strife that brought somebody, maybe they had issue with the pastor. I mean, I've called the pastors that so-so and so person is here. The person will be surprised. I've said, meet me in the office. So-and-so and so person is here. You know, what's the problem? What I've found strange sometimes is that the pastors will make us, no, 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 I will not ask them, if roles were reversed, will you call me? Yeah, if a member of this church comes to you, will you call me to try to return them? Then they will cool down. Sometimes well, you see, I'm just acting in love. Because to me, we have not gained anything. If, 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 especially, you know, sometimes you can't know. You won't know. The best thing you keep quiet, and you will not, never know. But if you know, I always try to. It's the same thing. It's the same kingdom. Styles are different. You know, I can't help it many times. So I'm not trying to suggest there has been no transfer growth in church I pastor. But I'm saying it's because I don't know. If I know, I'll try to do something about it. I'll try to do something about it. Tell person to go back. There's no need. And I've known there are people handling key roles. Somebody in charge of prayer team of a church. Somebody who leads worship. And then you cross to another church. I don't think the body needs that kind of thing. Sometimes, like I said, and sometimes the pastor will be okay that, look, they've released them. The important thing is there's no strife. I don't see why there should be strife in the body of Christ. Really, one is more suited to some kinds of assembly than other assemblies. And when it is so, at least let's all be able to flow together. Let there be nothing underground. That's just the issue. That's what I'm trying to say. But if we emphasize, I believe God will bless us more if we emphasize the issue of conversion growth. That's unbelievers we're after. If we emphasize that more, and that's what we pray for more and work more towards. So, because we're likely to say things today again to suggest, if we are thinking that way, then it's not just about anybody coming into church. It's not just about opening. Look, there are some buildings in the Badon, six-bedroom flats, that every flat is a church. I'm not kidding. There are six flats, and a different church is in each flat. I can never feel led to start to put church there, personally. If it's a different kind of thing now, you know, let's say X kind of ministry, something they are doing is not church, fine. But if it's, why, why should there be six churches? I, I imagine on a Sunday when somebody is coming, what happens to the ushers? Where are you going? Say, no, enter here, enter there. What's going to happen? <laughs> is it that there is no other building that we can use? Are you getting what I'm trying to say? Yeah, that personally, that's how I reason. And it has helped me a great deal. It has worked for me. So, the purpose, that's what we're dwelling on, the purpose. The purpose. The purpose. I think that is very, very challenging that 80% of members of Saddleback Church were born again in that church. I think that's very, 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 and guess what? It's one of the biggest churches in America. As a matter of fact, Rick Warren is seen as the pastor of America. That's how they see him. He doesn't pastor the largest church in America. I think Joel Austin pastors the largest church in America. But Rick Warren is considered the pastor of America. So what are we trying to achieve? Let's go. So I talked about different kinds of growth. Transfer growth, biological growth, conversion growth, prodigal growth. That's what 
we should be able after real growth and this takes intentionality yeah we have to be intentional about it it is said that when preparation meets with opportunity we have success that's not an uncommon saying but in case you are not familiar with let me say it again when preparation meets with opportunity we have success since success now we're talking about effective ministry about lives changing and becoming christ-like it means we have to prepare and when the opportunity arises when they meet we have success in what we are doing so how can we do it how can we do it how can we prepare for souls to come in i'm shocked sometimes when i go to minister in a place i go to a church that uh, in you call it small church in quotes i'm just using that term you know small church in quotes and i remember when we were that number how hungry we were for people to come in and then i go to that church and i make an altar call and people give their lives to christ and it's like there's nothing there's no design and i'm needing to find out what what should they do because i'll have thought there should be something in place that when people give their lives to christ this is the process are you getting what i'm trying to say and even when people don't give their lives to Christ and they are coming for the first time, because the fact that somebody is coming today and hasn't given his life to Christ today, it doesn't mean he can't give his life to Christ tomorrow. So, so, so what's the process that somebody who comes now, how welcoming are you to the person? Because it's possible someone just comes in as a first-timer and he goes away and that's the end of it. But somebody who is intentional, if you want people to give their lives to Christ, you want them to grow, there should be a process that if somebody is coming for the first time, how do we contact the person how do we know whether he's born again or not how do we greet him how do we ensure that he comes again and if someone gives life to christ what process are we going to begin that's going to make the person christ-like it's intentional it can't be luck or chance so if somebody is praying about things like that there's a group in church praying about that kind of thing something is set up somebody's in charge of that kind of thing if i were god who will i direct people to yeah jesus said no one can come to except the father draws in so if it's God that draws people, if a place is like a lackadaisical about it, whether you come or not, it doesn't matter. Whether you give to life to Christ, God, it doesn't matter. So if I were God, who will I bring people to? Somebody who wants to follow my purpose or somebody who... Yeah. So you see why things happen the way they happen. So we have to be intentional about it. People many times criticize bigger churches. Unknown to them, those bigger churches do much more along those lines than what they call smaller churches. If you know what those supposed bigger churches that many times people think they are light, they are kind of, if you know what they invest along those kinds of lines, you'll be surprised. They take the issue of souls much more seriously. That's why God takes people there. That's why they see the results that they see. Praise the Lord. I hope I'm making sense. Matthew 28 from verse 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore. So the authority in heaven and on earth, he assigned it to what was good, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit, teaching them, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So there must be emphasis on God's word. People cannot become Christ-like unless they are taught to be Christ-like. So it's not enough. You may have noticed that the biggest churches generally emphasize God's word. 
you know, it's possible to shout hallelujah and do gymnastics and, uh, you know, anything, you know, all the things that happen in the body of Christ. Pray for people's needs, miracle, whatever, whatever. If there is no emphasis on God's word and people are consistently fed, after you shout hallelujah, shout hallelujah every Sunday, you will find your way to a place where you will be fed if you want to grow. So, at the end of the day, churches that emphasize God's word end up growing because what sheep need is grass. I'm talking about natural sheep. Grass is what they need to eat. They need to feed. No matter how many times you shout hallelujah, if there is no food, the person will be lean. So he will find his way eventually. That's why ministries must be built on God's word. Brother Higgins used to tell people in his day that when all of you are gone, I will still be out ministering. Because some people built their ministries on gifts. But he built his on God's word. Because God's word will outlive all of us. All said and done, at the end of the day, is God's word that endures forever. Anything built on God's word will stand. And it's food that sheep need. It's not pipe organ. You know, all those effects are nice. It's very nice, you know, to have a nice setting like this. If we are meeting a place that was not nice. But there are countries where they won't have these facilities. And you will see people, they will be there hungry under the tree. Because it's food that people need at the end of the day. So we must balance it. As God helps us, you see, it's about reaching a different class of people. Let me tell the honest truth. All of those effects is about reaching a different class of people. Because there is a class of person based on where God has taken them in life, whether they know God or not, every good and perfect is from above, isn't it? So whether it's a position that they have, whatever that God has put them in, they may not know it's God, but you see God. Now, they won't. So people like you and I who are educated, it's so that we can reach those kinds of people. A pastor for everybody. Let me put it that way. Whether you are also, some people can't speak proper grammar. It's not important because they are sent to people who are like that. It has the kinds of people God has sent them to. So, the touch people are to read the touch people. This is just that way. So, there's no need to criticize one another. Because everybody has its own audience. Everybody has its own. Uh, anything you like, you do. There's something you cannot read. Praise the Lord. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever says concerning requirements of a pastor should be apt to teach. What does that mean? He may not be a teacher by calling. That's what it means. If a pastor, if the Bible says a requirement, he should be apt to teach. It means he should have aptitude for teaching. That means he may not be called to teach. So don't think a pastor must be a teacher. But he must learn to teach. He must know how to teach. He must feed people. If people are going to grow and become Christ-like. It's a good combination to have a pastor teacher. That's fantastic. But it doesn't have to be so. Because when we see up to teach, there are some pastors who are preachers. Of course, I'm sure you know there's a difference between being a preacher and being a teacher. Oh, so a pastor can be a preacher primarily and not a teacher. But if you're going to pastor people, you have to feed people consistently. So the Bible says he should be apt to teach. He must have aptitude. He must learn. He must know it. You see, when, when, if you find yourself in leadership position there are people under you that are pastors you have to expose them until they will be able to teach you know what I mean there are people today if you give them a line to preach they will preach the, the things they are talking about because they are preachers that's a preach in them they will read one line and preach it instead of teach to teach is to explain they don't have the grace to explain something but the more you expose them to it and talk them like the, the more they become good in it because they have to do it you see, a teacher 
has a grace of God to teach. You know, it's, it's like a style of communication. A preacher proclaims something. A preacher proclaims. A teacher explains. But anybody can explain, but some people are called to explain. The grace of God is upon them. So it does something when they are doing it. It's not, they can stand on one spot. They, they may not move anywhere. They may not say, you just discovered that it's, it's totally different. You, you, you want to hear the person more. You, it will never be dry. It will not be, but everyone who is going to pastor, the Bible says, must be apt to teach. So at the least, maybe we're beginning to see some reasons why some ministry may be effective and another may not be effective. Because if you are not consistently doing that, call all the prayer meetings you like. Call people to come and be praying for enemy. That's what is very popular in Nigeria today. Enemy to die. And I'm surprised, you know, because the enemy is not dying. If the enemy is dying, why are they having the same meeting again next week? Yeah. Don't be bullying the Bible for themselves. Didn't Jesus say we should pray for our enemies? And he says, why are you praying for enemy to die? And so it means God is not answering the prayer. That's what it means. And God answers prayers, doesn't he? Yeah, because if we have that meeting this week, we have it again next month, and the same enemies will die. The enemies have not died. Is that not obvious that we are praying enemies? Yes. <laughs> I met a lady somewhere, and uh, she was making fun of herself. You know, she was in a church. She had a problem with her landlord, and uh, she went to church to pray for her landlord to die. And then, as she was praying, a voice was familiar. I prayed the landlord came to the same place to pray for her to die. So she was making fun of herself. <laughs> you know, you know when you can make fun of yourself. Yeah, she was laughing at herself. So me, I, I'm always interested in the end of that kind of story. You know, many times pastors will tell story and we hang. They won't tell you because me, I want to know how it ended. You know, so I, I found, so well, how did it end? It's past. They had to go to pastor's office. <laughs> he said, hey, you, got, you are praying for tenant to die. Tenant also is praying for landlord to die. We so well, how how will it? Uh, Hallelujah. So we have been given a commission and uh, he said, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. You know, God with you is the anointing. Don't, don't think so. Yeah, God with me is the anointing. Because God is everywhere. But he's not with everyone in that sense. So he said to, in Genesis 26, he said to Isaac that uh, he should not go to Egypt, he should stay here. He said, I'm going to be with you. Now, what does that mean? If you go to Egypt, I won't be with you. God's power was in Egypt. God's presence was there. So if you are where you are not supposed to be, God will be there, but he won't be with you. God with you is the anointing. John 8, 29, he that sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I do always the things that please him. So that's a simple way of defining anointing, God with you. So he said, I'm with you always to the end of the age. But what goes before it is go, teach, baptize them in the name of the Father, dead, and lo, I am with you. So it's, my, it's when you are doing that that you will know my manifest presence. So if you are not doing that, so you see, we're emphasizing the your purpose. I warned us yesterday that in this bit, we're good, there's going to be a lot of repetition. So that's why I talked about children saying the teacher is pointing at the door. And all that, because you see that same thing we're emphasizing about the purpose of something. Because for us to say that it's effective ministry, 
is because that ministry is achieving the purpose. The intention of God for it to happen is happening. That's when we can say it is effective. So, in the work you are doing now, if you are already in ministry, or in the church you are now, or whatever you are involved in now, because you see, part of this, it doesn't mean everybody who has come here now should go and start church. It's to be where God wants you to be, doing what he wants you to do. So, if you are an usher somewhere, and you understand what God wants you to do as an usher, within that ushering team there, you can begin to influence people and influence things to happen. It's if God asks you to go and do a work, that you go and do a work. If you want to go and start a work, God says, there's so much of God's work already. I personally wouldn't have started a work if I wasn't sure God wanted them to start a work. I'm telling you the truth. Because why another one? Why can't I be involved in one that already exists and be serving God in that place? If God asks you to start a work, please go ahead. But you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, because some people now that you have attended Rima, the next thing is you must start your own. Even if you don't start it, some people are wondering why you're not starting it. And they wonder why, why did you attend Rima? You know, as though it means once you're there, you must start your own. So the process of conversion, the process of assimilation, the process of maturity, the process of ministry, what's the process now in your assembly or in the work you are doing now? Whether it's a fellowship you run, whatever you do, what is the process? How do people give their lives to Christ? What, what, how are you intentional about it? And then when they give their lives to Christ, you see the purpose-driven church, the essence of it is that there's a crowd that comes in. And when this crowd comes in, you want to move them from being crowd to become ministers. Now, everybody is a minister. So, clergy and lady, you know, you won't see that in the Bible. It's, it's man-made. Clergy and lady is man-made. You know, there's nothing like that. But yeah, every one of us is called by God to do something. It's just that everybody's not called into pulpit ministry. Can I say this? Moses was called by God by name. Do you know the same God called Bezalel by name? Bezalel was an artisan. He was a craftsman. He wasn't less called than Moses. Moses couldn't do what Bezali was going to do. Guess what? We might read it later. Those who are going to divide land were called by name by the same God. Those who use what they call skinny commuter, what they call those skinny commuter that they used to survey land, you know, what they call it again, something meter. That thing that they stand that they were using to measure, yeah, that, that surveyors use. Odo, thank you, Odolite or something like that. I think it's something like that they call it. Theodolite, yeah, Theodolite. They were called by name also. I think that, that should, number, please give me number 3417. Let me see if that's where it is. Thank you. If not, I think I'll get there sometime. Numbers, numbers 3417. Thank you. These are the names of the men who shall divide the land among you as an inheritance. Eleazar the priest and Joshua the son of Nun. Next verse. And you shall take one leader every tribe to divide the land for the inheritance. Next verse. And these are the names of the men. And you can read it further. You see, they were mentioned just like Moses was mentioned to lead people. Just like Bezali was mentioned for craft. Even Bezali's assistant was mentioned. Do, do you see what we are getting at? Yeah. 
They were not less called because the same way God mentioned Moses' name, he mentioned those who would divide land. You won't consider that a spiritual task to be measuring land and dividing it. But God had a specific purpose. This person should play that role. What does that tell me? If as a Christian leader, I'm so specific about things like that, I will see so much more of God's power at work. When people fit into where they're supposed to be. There are things that happened in the early days of, of ministry that when I look back, I'm, I'm just amazed that because I know myself, you know, you may not, somebody may not know me. They might think that's a big deal about me. I mean, up to appointing somebody, getting to, let's say, someone to take care of welfare of ministers, I'm using as an example, and getting to know later the kinds of things the person can cook and make. You know, at the beginning, you can't really know what anybody can do, but putting that person in charge and now shaking your head later, ah, you've you know, you didn't know. He said, ah, you didn't know. And really, it's as though that person was born for that role. What a blessing. So, think of this process now to move people from someone who just comes now. And can I tell the honest truth? Those are people who stay with you. They stay. The people who cross from place to place. See, when somebody comes to meet me and they're telling me something bad about a man of God, why they want to come to the church I pastor? So, so, and so, and so. as the person is saying it, I'm saying to myself that someday you're going to be talking to me, talking about me like this to somebody else too. Yeah, he's telling you that person is just something, something, something. As you are saying it, I'm thinking later, that's how you go and tell somebody else about this person you are talking to. See, I don't fool myself. I don't deceive myself to be thinking, no, I'm a big deal about me. Because I know these servants of God they are mentioning, I respect and admire them. So you are telling me something negative about them, you think I will take it. And that's the same way you will tell somebody something negative about me later. So once somebody is that way, no, I don't absorb somebody like that to say, ah, you have come. Look, there are people who will, who, they will lure a pastor from a place to bring him in to show that they are a better church. To me, is, is that wise? But there are people who will be raw that you, they will give their lives to Christ. And they will, you will teach. Look at David's mighty men. Read about David's mighty men. They, all of them were like Rambo. That David killed Goliath. So what? Do you know what those guys did? Read about the things they did. One person, will, his hand will, will get stuck to, to sword after killing 800 people. Somebody will follow lion into a snowy pit and kill lion. Take, take uh, some. Uh, uh, they think, thank God for David, but thank God for those mighty men too. But don't you think those mighty men must have been those vagabonds that came to David? Those who are distressed and discontented and all of that. Don't you think some of them, at least, if not all of them, would have been those guys? So they recognized that it was through David, or may we say in David's ministry, that their potentials were brought out. Do you know they were loyal to David to the end? Because no matter what became of them, even though David didn't try to do like superstar, they knew where they were coming from. They knew how associating with this person brought this out of their lives. So, even naturally, it's wise to develop people from scratch. It's wise. Anybody can become anything. Yeah, I don't think anybody should be braggadoing with skill. No, anybody can become anything. Because we have a story of talent in the Bible. Somebody started with five, he got ten. Somebody started with two, he got four. The person who had one buried his own. What does that tell me? The one that had two and he became four, he could have become eight later. Is that eight not higher than the starting point of the person with five? So anybody can become anything. If people will be faithful, anybody can become anything. I would rather have somebody who is faithful than somebody who is brandishing skill. 
Because a faithful person, if he applies himself, will become something later. And that's why the Bible says it's required of a steward. That's where we started from, that a man be found faithful. So prize faithfulness above anything. I was talking yesterday. I wasn't kidding. When I was talking about Pastor Tunde and Pastor Tokumbo yesterday, I wasn't joking. I wasn't saying it because I had to say it. That's how they were. They were people who would carry crate of drink, who would do this. And, and look at our ages. I'm not that much older than them. When I got to know Pastor Tunde's age, I was surprised. Because the way we'll be greeting you, now they embarrass me now when they see me. They're, they're greeting me. Yeah, I don't want you to greet me that way. Somebody, anybody who doesn't know me will think I'm old. <laughs> and then you now hear that I have grandchildren again. Before I started young, that's why. I had enough sense to marry Ellie. <laughs> you know, the Bible talks about wife of your youth, husband of your youth. Uh -huh. Some people marry late, you know. They know how to make money. money. A man knows how to make money. money. <laughs> Mama with seven spirits. <laughs> Man will be dicing something, you know. I know that you not marry at that age. You are a problem to the wife. Anything you are criticizing, everything she's making. You go, you know how to make everything by yourself. <laughs> I married young, you know. I married early, so that's why I'm a grandfather now, and it pays me. You see, when you do something in the Bible, whether you do it deliberately or not, many times it works. Whether you know about law of gravity or not, won't it work? Jump out of the building, see whether you go up or down. So God's laws work. So the Bible talks about wife of your young. So I married young, and it has paid me today. I told you yesterday there was a testimony waiting. Yeah, I should use mouth to say it now. My son-in-law became a consultant gynecologist yesterday. Yeah, by the time I finish and I put on the phone, yeah, the news was there. You know, yeah. God is good. God is faithful. I remember the lady talked about what I what made me say it yesterday was pastors' children and all that. The pastors here, I can tell you, their children are doing well. And they will continue to do well. And your own children will do well too if you believe God. Yeah. It's as simple as that. If people are raised on God's word, they don't have any option. There's no devil that can do anything to them. So, process. Think of the process. Conversion. How they will be assimilated. How do you mature? Let me give an example. In the process of people coming in and going out that I described. Because why should X number of people join the church every month? And at the end of a year, at the end of a quarter... You see, when we try to find out where they, what has happened to them, these are things we must keep doing. We're talking about effective ministry, isn't it? Yeah, we must keep trying to find how to do it better. Because if people are coming in and then you are not seeing the number, then it means they are going out also. It means both front door and back door are open. So how? What are we to do? At a point, we had to write something we call New Life Basics. We have some people we call uh, follow-through friends. We saw the need to attach one person to one person. What do I mean? So when somebody gives his life to Christ now or joins the church, we attach one person to the person who goes through some materials over six months with the person, some basics of Christianity over a period of six months. So if you have consistent contact with somebody over a period of six months, it should be difficult for that person to backslide. You see? And then let's say that person, you have a process to ensure the person is in a home cell. You have a process to ensure the person joins an activity team. Now, these things don't always work, as I'm saying with Mao, but I'm talking about what we are trying to do. So, there, there has to be a process that way. Otherwise, it might just be work done in zero. You just be laboring, uh, effort, you won't see any consistent thing. So, let me pause here and ask for some suggestions now that we have talked along these lines. Can people 
say, okay, so you see, I'm stopping at a good time because just one or two people will be able to talk now before we stop and come back for the next session. Yes, can we have somebody say something along this line? I'm talking about this process of people giving their lives to Christ, of becoming assimilated, and then becoming taught to be Christ-like until they are involved also in the work of the ministry some way, somehow. We have just a few minutes now, so can I have one or two suggestions? You want to say something? Oh, you want to hold the microphone? Yes. Does anybody want to say something? Yes, very quickly. Anybody else? So that we just number one, two, three. Good evening, sir. Um, okay. In line with, with what you're saying, um, some churches, they have what they call foundation school. Yeah. Once they're born again, they're taken through that. Yeah. It takes like um, six to eight weeks. And they're well grounded with the doctrine and everything, how to join a cell and all that. So I believe something like this would help. Thank you. But that's not even what I'm talking about. Right, yeah, we have that too. Basically, every church has it. And I'm not trying to sell the church I pastor to you. No, that's not the idea. I just want us to look at things broadly to make us realize there should be a purpose for something. You see, attaching one person to one person is different from that. That's fine. That's waiting for people to come. That's, that's the point I'm trying to make. Now, if you are waiting for people to come, they may come, they may not come. But when one person is attached to one person and it's that person's responsibility to find the person out, they don't even have to do this thing I'm saying in short. The foundational classes are going on. This one I'm saying is something designed over a period of six months. Not the, the, it's not the same things that will be talked about, talked about in the foundational classes. This one are the basic things of Christianity that the person is... So they can meet in a restaurant if they like. They can meet at home. Of course, you know that can be abusive if it's not handled properly. They can meet in a different place and so on and so forth so of course there have to be reports given about these kinds of things they have meetings where they, are, they account for those souls to know that this number of people give their lives to Christ where are they are they in church if they are not in church why are they not in church how many times have you checked upon them there are records that so there's somebody who is in charge of checking that kind of to see that those people are, are you getting what I'm trying to say so if you take someone like that seriously won't God bring people to you than somebody who leaves it to chance Yes. Any other? Any other person wants to say something? Yes. So that I'm not saying what he says is not important. It is. I expect every church to have that kind of class, you know. But I'm saying beyond that, apart from that. Okay. I think mentorship also plays a major role. Yeah. If you pick somebody like the person that really got me rooted in Christ was someone who just took me. She just took me like. You know, and, you know, every time I see her do the right thing, I see her minister Christ. So that's how I, so I think mentorship does um, a great job. Thank you. But was that church design? I think that was personal. Well, the person uh -huh. was actually my pastor's wife. Okay. Yeah, so. Okay. So what, is that what she does for everybody? Or she just took to you? Is there that a design? I that I, it wasn't a design. It okay. wasn't a church design. So, thank you. We get her point. That's good. But what I'm talking about is, can it be designed such that everybody has someone to mentor them that way? Since she has seen that that mentoring played a key role. So, what we're saying is, so can it become intentional? That's a pastor's wife. But let's say another person also, everybody has somebody to mentor that way. Won't it make it? Because that she attributes her standing in Christ today to that mentorship. So can we be deliberate about mentorship like that? So I was telling you about something we call Vibrant Connect yesterday, where 
people who have similar uh, professions and all of that that's part of the design of your mentorship so that somebody will mentor somebody somebody of the same profession okay where where to stop so that's what i'm talking about to be intentional about that kind of thing because pastor's wife took to her maybe she likes her maybe she reminded her of herself as a younger person fine fantastic it's good but can we be intentional so that everybody will have that kind of attention and not just her so if 10 people come if it can be done with all the 10 people we'll be having 10 people who are standing don't you think that's effective ministry so let's take a few minutes break